0: Welcome this Wednesday as we get back into the study through the book of Ephesians and learn to live Christ daily in our practical lives. The passage we come today is very practical in nature as it reminds us how we are to live and conduct ourselves with the words that we speak, with the motivations of our heart. So let us endeavor to walk in a manner worthy to what Christ has called us to. Before we get into God's Word, let's pray. Father, I know that this has been very difficult for so many of my brothers and sisters and friends listening in. I know that these times have been trying, challenging, and even at times discouraging. I pray that you would encourage them with your word. I pray you would give them strength for this day. Remind us of who we are in Christ and help us in our words and our actions and the motivations of our heart to live you out in every little action, in every thought, in every word, in every deed. And may you be glorified, Jesus. We need your help, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we come back to chapter 4, we look at a passage beginning in verse 25, we're going to read down to the end of chapter 4. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Very challenging and very specific. When we talk about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, what are we specifically to put off? And then how do we do it? And perhaps the second question is sometimes the more significant one. We don't know where to begin. We don't know how to work through these challenges. Well, first of all, let's look at the what what we need to put off. But before we look at that even, let's take one step further back, review and see what we have been given in Christ. Ephesians chapter one is one of the most glorious passages describing our identity in Christ. It says that we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that he chose us, that he wants to make us holy, blameless before him, that he's adopted us as his children, not as servants, but as children of the royal family. He's given us redemption, forgiveness, riches of His grace. He's lavished upon us His love, His wisdom, His insight. He's made known to us Himself, a God who makes Himself known, a mystery in and of itself. And then it says in verse 12, So that we are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. The God has created us to be to the praise of His glory. And if you are in Christ, then you are already to the praise of his glory because you have been redeemed. But Paul in chapter 4, verse 1, takes it one step further and says, I want you now to be to the praise of his glory, not only in your identity, but also in your activity, in your manner of walking. So in verse 1, he says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With what? humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, in love. And then he calls us to put off the old self, put on the new self, and he specifically in verse 25 gives a list of what some of those old things are. If you notice in this passage, he gives a negative, something that we're to put off, and then counterbalances it with a positive. The first thing that he says is put off falsehood, that's the negative, and then speak truth, that's the positive. It's so important that as we talk about removing bad habits out of our life, that as we look at following God, it is putting off and then replacing it with something that is holy. It is not all no, it's no to certain things, and then yes to certain things. And in this, put off falsehood. What is falsehood? It's putting off untruth. It's putting off partial truths. It's putting off the lies and the deceits that destroy. Put off that which is, which veils the truth, but rather speak the truth with your neighbor. For we're members one of another, that we are to consider one another created in God's image. And if you're brothers and sisters in Christ, even more so, you share the same Holy Spirit. So speak the truth. The second thing he says is to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now this verse has been often misquoted and misused, saying that be angry but do not let the or but sin not. And what what we think it says is righteous anger is okay or justified anger is okay. Just don't let it be unjust anger. Uh, The problem with that is that though there is righteous indignation and just anger, the problem is that in our flesh, we tend to legitimize all of our anger. Well, I have a right to be angry because of what that person did to me. And you know what? You may have been legitimately wronged. You may have in in a human standing and even in divine standing, there is a reason for your anger. It's because of sin. But notice this is what the verse is saying be angry and do not sin. And then look at the very next statement. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The path of not sinning with your anger is by not letting it hang on. You see, by putting a timestamp on it, by seeking reconciliation as soon as possible, by dealing with your anger with the other person or and then dealing with it before God and asking for his help, Matthew 18 gives us a clear delineation of how we're to walk out offenses or those who've sinned against us. But the way that we are we're angry and not sin is by not letting our anger hold on. It's by dealing with it, by seeking reconciliation as soon as is possible. There should be a shelf life to our anger that we should not let the sun go down upon our wrath. Anger that holds on, however, Anger that we, that we allow to hang, hang on, whether just or unjust, turns into what? Bitterness. And bitterness becomes destructive. If you note, he says, um, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Because if you let your anger hang on, if you let it turn into bitterness, then you are propping the door wide open to the devil to have an ingress, an entry point into your life. And bitterness will destroy you, it will destroy others, it destroys your families, it destroys your children. It doesn't matter if the anger started off as just anger. Hear me out. Even if you are were legitimately wrong and that anger is a righteous response to sin, if you don't deal with that anger, Righteous anger can turn into bitterness, into hatred, into hostility that will ultimately destroy you and others around you. Anger is not something to be held on to. The only person who perfectly holds on to his anger is God. And even that was satisfied in Christ towards the saints and satisfied eternally through eternal hell for all of time. So even God's anger is channeled into holy means. But we do not have the capabilities nor the moral perfection of God to do that. So regardless of the source of the anger, we're to deal with that anger, release it into the hands of God so that Satan does not have an entry point into our lives. Oh, this is hard. And it's right at the focus of many uh, husband and wife relationships uh, many many relationships that are broken down are because of bitterness and anger that grows. You are to seek reconciliation. Well, you might say, well, they, well, they don't deserve, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Well, you didn't deserve God's forgiveness either, and yet He gave it. And we're called to emulate Christ, to walk a life worthy of Christ. And probably one of the ways that we showed that the most is forgiveness and kindness. More on that in just a moment. Paul continues. He also says in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So let go of the theft and then pursue honest work. Now why do people steal? People steal because of greed. People steal because of dissatisfaction. People steal because of entitlement. People steal because of laziness. There are many ways that perhaps that we steal either time from the people that we work with or work for, or steal monies when nobody is looking, instead of laboring honestly as unto the Lord. And he who sees you in secret will reward you openly. But don't seek to gratify your own desires; rather, work hard with your hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That if you're looking to thief. It doesn't matter how small it is. Then you're thinking about your own interest. But when you look to work hard and to earn that which, um, uh, not, not your salvation, not, not that type of thing, but earn your your funds, your monies, you, th- those things that God has called us to, to work. God has given work as a gift. And the more that we see it as a gift and work with our own hands, the more that we are enlarged to be sharing and generous with others. So stop stealing whatever that form that may take, and instead do honest work. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So here's the negative. Take out the corrupting talk, the positive, replace it with speech that is good for building up, fits the occasion, and gives grace to those who hear. Uh, Let me remind you as well. Facebook, Instagram, digital technology, online forums, political speech, political talk, we seem to give ourselves a pass that corrupting talk or divisive or vitriolic speech is okay in these forums. But Paul doesn't give those, those caveats. And in other parts of scripture, it says, let your speech in Colossians to always be seasoned, always be seasoned with grace. Now let's look, what is corrupting talk? Corrupting talk is stuff that tears down, that speaks ill, that that does not seek the betterment of the other individual. Uh, Rather, your speech should be, what does it say? Building up, fits the occasion, and give grace. Building up to, to, to build them up in Christ. If they're an unbeliever, build them up as valuable in the sight of God, created in His image. Build them up with your words as fits the occasion, that your words are not only instructive, building, encouraging, but they're also timely. They know where to speak, when to speak. You seek God's wisdom for how to talk and to interact with each other. It also says that you are to words that are speaking that gives grace. This is not words that are flattery. You're building up just to flatter people. Rather, words that give grace. What is grace? Favor that you don't deserve. Well, they don't deserve to be built up. They've got so many faults and frailties. Well, that may be true. Uh, They they are imperfect, they are frustrating, they are, or even in our governing powers, they're not worthy of my respect. The Bible doesn't give you that allowance. We're to respect, we're to honor, and with each other and with those in authority, those inside the community of Christ, outside the community of Christ, give words of grace. It doesn't matter if they've earned it or deserved it. You give it as an overflow of your relationship with God, just as God gave you grace. These are challenging and high callings. How can you possibly do that? Well, in just a moment, we'll come back to that. So don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Give grace. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve God with your actions. We can do that. Our actions do not cause us to lose our salvation, but our actions can grieve the very heart of God. So don't grieve Him. Love Him with your actions. How do you love God? With your obedience. How do you show Him He is worth it, that He is precious, that you're thankful to Him? It's not through your songs, though worship and song is wonderful but it's through your life of obedience. So don't grieve him, but honor him. You do that in your obedience. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, along with all malice. These things have to do with our words. It also has to do with our, with our conduct, with the motivations of our heart. Listen, words are powerful. Uh, Jesus himself is spoken of as the logos, the word. God created the universe with words. You have the ability to destroy other people with your words, careless words, which there is a warning that we will be held account, Jesus said, for every careless word that we have spoken. So moms, dads, how do you speak to your kids? How do you speak to each other? Is there love? Is there grace? How do you communicate value? How do you build one another up? Well, they don't deserve it. That's beside the point. Give grace. Favor that is not deserved nor earned. That you are to, to, in your words, as God created the universe with words, you are to create, through your words, value in that other person. You are to help create that new person in them through your encouragement, through your building up. Not destroy them. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Be careful because words have power. Don't let any clamor, shouting, loudness has that idea of this angry spirit that is shown in the household or in the marriage or whatever it may be. Don't let that be named among you. Don't let there be malice in your heart. But rather, be kind, it says. Paul says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. What is a tender heart? Someone who is gentle to the touch. Kind there's a sweetness that exudes from them some of the sweetest christians and believers that i know are marked by their gentility by their kindness by lives that are soft to the touch firm and deep with conviction rooted in truth and yet sweet and kind to the touch and that you are called to forgive and here's kind of the here's kind of how he ends chapter 4 and it's a pretty like boom he says you are to forgive one another As God in Christ forgave you, you're to forgive as you have been forgiven. And that's a pretty direct statement. All right, how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to live out these virtues that we've been called to? First of all, know who you are in Christ. Know that you can't do this in your own strength, only in his help. So you need to, here's the big thing, humble yourself you need to humble yourself and ask God that he would point out things in your life that don't look like him. Instead of just saying, I don't struggle with those things, or saying, no, I struggle with this and not this, go to the Lord with this list and say, Lord, where do I need to work on? Where do I need to be more truthful? Where do I need to be more constructive with my words and my actions? Where do I need to build up? Where where are my blind spots? That's humility, asking God to show you. And then humble yourself asking the Holy Spirit to help you. And then humble yourself by seeking the Holy Spirit's help in other Christians. You see, in chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul goes on a lengthy argument to describe that all of us have the Holy Spirit. And that we're to seek the Holy Spirit's help in our own lives. But because the Holy Spirit also exists in the body of Christ and other believers, seek the help of the Holy Spirit through other people open yourself up be vulnerable let the holy spirit speak through a brother and sister in christ to speak wisdom encouragement direction it may hurt it may be painful but will you do it for the sake of christ will you do it not for the sake of your marriage or your husband or your spouse or your kids i hope those are motivations but do it primarily because god in christ forgave you and how can you do anything less this is sharp hard teaching that we are to put into practice, to live out what Christ has given us. But it's gonna require humility, recognizing that we are not perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to get everything right. Humble yourself and recognize that you are a sinner, that you need God, that you need his help, and that you need other believers. Swallow your pride. And I pray that you would seek the Holy Spirit's help to other brothers and sisters, who can speak truth into your life and you can take one step closer to a life that magnifies Christ even more. Pray with me, please. Oh, Jesus, how often I fail. How often we all fail. Thank you for your help. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us your ways. You help us to live your truth today. Be with my brothers and sisters. Encourage them. Strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to lean upon your grace, give grace to one another, and may you be glorified, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you this coming Sunday, May 24th, as we gather for the first time at Heritage, and see you back here next Wednesday as we continue our journey through the book of Ephesians. Love to you all. Have a blessed week.